And I want to punch the former version of myself like so hard in the face because not only was it wrong scientifically, like it's dirty, like it was dirty. And that... Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Before we jump in, let's check in with Cody. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, Justin? So this past weekend, I went to a friend's grad party, and then I went down in Deerfield, Mass, to this like, lazy river tubing thing. Basically, they hook you up. You can bring a cooler, bring whatever you want in that cooler. Alcohol is permitted. You can bring snacks, whatever. You're just floating down the river for four hours. It was a blast. And yeah, enjoying the last summer weekends we have left here. It was a couple of 80s weekends, so I'm not looking forward to when the fall rolls around. I start seeing, you know, 40s and 50s weekends, and it's a little too cold for me to be hanging at the lake here. But how about you, man? I know you've been super busy prepping for the big move. Yeah, I mean, today actually is the day where I get the U-Haul. This past weekend has been crazy with packing, trying to say goodbye to people, But really, the major life event happened this past Friday, and that is when I said goodbye to my van. So I've got a ton of articles that I need to write about the whole van process around purchasing it, rebuilding it, converting it into a camper van. But ultimately, you know, moving to Austin, we only have one parking spot, and so we could only take one car, and we decided that the van wasn't going to be our daily driver in Texas, especially since you can only legally have one passenger. So we decided to sell that. I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot more of that when we have an episode where we kind of get to catch up on how life's been. But that's enough about me. Before we jump into our guest today, let's take a moment for our sponsor. So pretty recently, I switched over from one of the quote unquote big wireless providers. You know the companies, they're huge. They typically don't care about their customers too much. And oftentimes they have a bunch of hidden fees and things you don't even know that you're overpaying for. And so I decided to switch over to Mint Mobile. The activation process was super easy. Once I had all my account information, the transfer process was honestly five minutes. I have the same phone, all my same contacts, everything is exactly the same, but now I'm with Mint Mobile. And one of my favorite things about Mint Mobile is it's one of these newer techie companies. They're basically set up so they can handle everything online. Mint Mobile can save on retail locations and overhead and pass those savings directly to their customers. All their plans come with unlimited talk and text. You can choose the right data plan for you. And you can use your own phone and keep your same number along with all your existing contacts. So if you're looking to cut that monthly cell phone bill down to just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, you can go to mintmobile.com slash show. That's mintmobile.com slash show. So today on the Fi Show, we have Erica Ballard from Erica Ballard Health, and she really does a deep dive into linking nutrition and fitness to productivity. Obviously, eating well, working out, all that stuff is great just for general well-being. But as we have a ton of successful entrepreneurs, we have people who are crushing it in their careers, just people who are doing really well in general and people who are looking for that edge to take them to the next level. That's exactly what we talk about today, making sure you know what you're putting in your body, fueling up your body with the best sources possible to ultimately maximize your output and productivity. But I don't want to steal all our thunder. Take it away, Erica. For most of my life, I really didn't like the way I looked and felt. And for me, it was really confusing because I drank the shakes, I ate the bars, and I worked in public health and healthcare. So I knew the guidelines, I sold the guidelines, and I truly, truly, truly 
embrace them and believe them. And yet I would wake up almost every day and look in the mirror and be like, what the F? Like, what is what is happening here? And it was frustrating for so many reasons. The first, because I wanted a certain body. I wanted to look like, you know, the people on the magazines and TV, but also because I thought health was the linchpin to my happiness. So I had everything else going for me, the good job, living in the city at the time, a really good looking boyfriend, right? All that stuff. And yet I could not, like, I I wasn't happy. And I just was like, well, my health isn't there. So it has to be this. And so what I would do is again, what everyone does, right? Drink the shakes, eat the bars, count calories, everything that I taught people from the public health, healthcare lens. And it just, it broke me because I couldn't do it. And yet I would keep trying and I would double down because it's what we've always been told to do is outrun your burger, restrict as much as you can, count your calories. And it wasn't until I went to this thing called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition where I learned something different. And when I went to that place, everyone was against it because I just had graduated. Um, I got my master's from Tufts Medical, paid off my debt, didn't have that, was like super proud. And I was like, I'm just going to empty my savings. I'm going to go to this thing. And when I went there, oh my God, everything changed because I learned that health wasn't healthcare and pills and all these things, but it was actually food and stress and sleep focused. And when that happened, it changed everything for me. But the interesting part, because of the way that I think we work in this world is I would get results. I would tell people about them and then they would be like, that's wrong. That's not how you do it. And I'm like, okay, well, then I guess I shouldn't do it that way, even though I was getting results. And so I kept playing that game over and over and over again until I realized, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm actually going to do what I think is best, which was like shocking, right? Like a shocking revelation in in, (laughs) in this world. And when I did, six months, my pants fit, a year, I was sane. You know what I mean? Like if you ever had anyone who's like on a diet, like I was saying, and, and then I got happy, but it wasn't cause I got the body I wanted. It was because I actually understood that I was the expert on me and I had to do it my way. And that that was the only way. And so that to me, I feel like it's just such an important story because like you said, we are told there's one way to do this, but there are actually a thousand ways to do this and you have to find your own path. And I don't think we give people that freedom when it comes to health as much as we should. So it sounds like entering into it, you're just focusing on, you know, the calories, the the physical body side of it. And then when you go to this conference, you start thinking a little broader about things like sleep cycles and stress. So what was it you learned at this conference that really made you think like, oh my goodness, like I've been missing all this. And like, what did you start to do to focus on those other areas that maybe people overlook when they're thinking about health and wellness? Sure. And it wasn't a conference. It was actually a 40-week intensive health coaching program. Oh. And so the thing that really shifted it for me, to be completely honest, is it was a place of experimentation. So the whole program wasn't set up like this is how you do health. It was like one day you'd learn about how veganism was the best thing on, on the planet. The next week you'd learn about how meat is everything. And then you would learn how important uh, macros were. And then you'd learn how important intuitive eating was. And so it would purposely make you try everything to eventually trust yourself, but also to walk you through the, the, the truth of the matter, which is we're all so confused. And the only way to dig ourselves out a lot is to experiment and try on our, our, ourselves. And so that was such an important lesson to me because I was so used to like, thinking in the box and doing exactly what I was told and was like, oh gosh, there's so many ways. So I want to dig into some of the more traditional, like healthy ways to live life. Like there's so many things out there. You had the food pyramid back in, I don't even know when that was invented, the eighties and the nineties. 
you have all these different things like you should do this. You should drink a gallon of water a day. That'll make you healthy. Could you just talk about maybe some of the things that come to your mind that are wrong with that traditional like healthy model? I mean, the food pyramid, I wish it would just die. Like (laughs) I hate that thing so much because that is literally money in health. Like when you think about how that was actually made, when you do the research, I mean, the amount of lobbying that went into that is one shocking, probably not today, but like it is truly shocking because you really do think that the government has your best interest. Probably what the people on this podcast know, maybe not so much because (laughs) if, if they're not doing it in finance, they're probably not doing it in health either. But so that was a huge one is the idea that grains, 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 like that doesn't make sense at all because you drop weight based on a lot of like your insulin response and grains only shoot it up. So the idea that we would need to eat that often, especially if you're overweight, makes no sense. The five, six meals a day thing is also bananas to me. We really want to be eating two to three meals a day. Like that is what your body is built for. If you're trying to bulk up, it's a little bit of a different conversation. You've got to get those calories in. But for most people, most people are trying to lose weight or people are trying to optimize. And if you're trying to optimize, that two to three meals a day is actually what's really key. I mean, that's why our great-grandparents could eat the foods they ate and look the way that they looked, right? Is because we had those breaks, we had those natural stressors. I think the other piece too is that it's not about working out. I thought it was, but weight loss and health is 80% food and 20% movement. And if people don't understand that concept, they're going to constantly be trying to go to Orange Theory Fitness and trying to lift and do all these things that actually put additional stressors on their body that don't allow them to to drop the weight that they seek or to feel as good as, as they can feel because you do have to walk and move, but you definitely have to eat. And that's why that is so much more important among a, a bunch of other things for health purposes and for feeling your best and optimizing your performance. So I know we're getting a lot of your opinions on these different things, but it sounds like that actually you don't want to be just overly prescriptive, like that there's a lot of different ways for a lot of different people and you talk about experimentation. So just tactically speaking, like how do you encourage someone or how would you coach someone if they were like, okay, I want to experiment with something, but I don't really know how, like how does someone actually experiment with how they should be attacking their health? Sure. So that's a really, really good question. So what I like to think about when it comes to health is actually starting with what you, what you believe will help you. So if I said to you and I'll say to Justin, what's one thing you could do to improve your health? What would it be like right now? Run more often. Okay. And what about you, Cody? Drink less alcohol. So it's a perfect example. Mine would be drink more water. And so that is, that's, what's really important, right? We each have a different starting point. And so one, recognizing that and like owning your starting point instead of looking to like a thousand different people. So starting with that place. And then I always tell people to set goals. Like what do you want to achieve? So I do like month one, month three, month six to get like tactical goals that we want to achieve. Plus like your big daddy goals. So like dropping 50 pounds, having energy out the wazoo, whatever it would be. Then adding in these like little micro goals. So play around with it. I think what will get me to lose 10 pounds is if I drink more water and work out. Okay, well, try drinking more water and working out. And if you're moving in the right direction, then you get to keep that and then you get to pick up another, whether it's like eating more greens or fasting or whatever, you pick up another one of that, try it out. And so you're adding in variables at specific time points. So usually every two to three weeks so that you aren't throwing everything against the wall. Instead, you have an isolated variable that yes or no, it's getting me towards that goal. Okay, cool. I'm going to then nail the habit. Then I'm going to add something else on, nail the habit, 
and and keep going, which we don't often do because we do this like all or nothing thing. But that doesn't like that doesn't work and it doesn't work anywhere. So I don't know why we think it works in health. So let's talk about this from a mindset perspective. So most people generally know things that are good for their health, good for their wealth. Like people know they should probably not be eating a ton of processed foods. They shouldn't be eating 5,000 calories a day if they're just sitting in an office or they shouldn't be spending way more than they earn. But oftentimes people just don't have the motivation for some odd reason. Maybe it's because it's less fun. It's not as fun to, you know, eat the healthy stuff rather than, you know, have the Reese's and the beers. It's not as fun to save a bunch of money or instead of buying the Lambo and the nice house. And something that I love that you kind of created, you don't have to give us all the secrets here, Erica, but the B method. And I'd love if you could kind of talk about how that came about, because I think mindset is such an important element of this that does not get talked about enough. Sure. So the way that that plan is set up is, honestly, I lure them with with food, right? So we focus in on feeling better by first crowding, I call it crowding out. So it's the idea of not necessarily pulling the sugar because that's what we do, right? We typically try to restrict, restrict, restrict our way in. It's like I think about it from like a a financial perspective. Like when I was paying off my debt, it was like save, 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 save. It was not fun. And I would break and I would buy something really expensive and then I would set myself back because you can't live on scraps. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we try to do in food too is like we pull out sugar, we pull out alcohol, we pull out everything that's somewhat pleasurable to us. And it doesn't feel good. And if the idea is to feel good and you don't feel good in the process, you're not going to do it. Like you have to feel good now to feel good then. Right. And so it starts out with the crowding out theory. And so the idea is add in more greens, add in more water, add in more workouts, but don't even mess with, I'm like, don't even F with any of the other stuff, right. That's going around with it. And once you start there, you start to feel better. And also you don't have enough room for some of the other bad stuff. Like when you're eating salads, when you're eating greens, when you're eating things that are healthy and taste good, it's hard to make space for the ice cream because you're usually so full. And so starting there in that piece of it, and then eventually what always happens is people fall off. And so the second piece of it is to really focus on the mindset and why that's happening. People will say, I don't have motivation. People will say, I'm lazy. People will say, I don't have time. That's never it. It's never about the food, just like it's never about the money, right? There are subconscious blocks that are happening within your brain about what it means to drop weight, about what it means to eat healthy, about what it means to make space for yourself. And so making sure that you you pull those back. And I'm going to tell a story, if it's okay, is like I had a woman who could not, she was an entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur, and was in charge of her entire schedule, but couldn't make time to get healthy, couldn't do it. And she would try and try and try. She would set schedules and we'd have these conversations. And I finally told her, and this is a big piece of it, is how is being unhealthy serving you? Like, what is that doing for you? And what she realized is it was helping her to stay close to her mother is the best way to put it, is to stay close to her mother because her mother would work her butt off and it would only take rest when she was completely done out. She would never make space for herself, never make space to be healthy, never make space for that because that meant you're lazy. And so this movement to not have space, not have time to be healthy was allowing her to perpetuate a cycle she saw and essentially stay close with a mom that she didn't even really want to stay close with. And it sounds crazy when you say it out loud, but that is how your subconscious brain works. Its only job is to protect you. And so oftentimes when we eat the things we don't want to eat, it's because it's serving us in some capacity. It's protecting us in some way. It's allowing us to fulfill out a 
belief that we have about ourselves. And so once you start to eat healthy, you're going to stall out. And the next piece of it is to really dig into what's happening inside of your brain so you can continue forward and stop telling yourself you're lazy. Because if you tell yourself you're lazy, you're going to be lazy. And most people, particularly in your industry, aren't lazy. They just don't understand why they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do. And your only job then is to ask yourself that question, make space to find out, and then move forward on it, and then just keep the evolution process of that going. So first off, I love this idea of this kind of surround method where instead of focusing on, we got to remove the sugar, we're just going to surround it with so many other good things for you that it just naturally kind of dies out because it doesn't have room for it. But I'd love to dig more into this idea of kind of the mental hurdles that people are getting into and what's holding them back. I know you gave a couple examples there, but just in generally speaking, like why is it you think that so many people will love the idea of having a diet. They they will love the idea of purchasing one of these meal plans or purchasing all the bars. Like they will they will show enough commitment to actually spend their dollar on it. But then when the rubber meets the road, they fizzle out and they quit. So many answers. So here's what I will I'm like here's what I will say. Most of it has to do with mindset. And there's a few big things. The first I would say is we as a culture have decided what health looks like, but we as individuals have not decided what it looks like for ourselves. So most of our beliefs about what healthy is were given to us by the government, by our family, by society, by marketing. And so we just think that if it's not painful, if we're not counting calories, if we're not running, if we're not doing all these things, then that, that we're not healthy. So I think the first reason why is we have never stepped back and said, What do I want and what do I think this looks like to get there? So I think that's the first piece. The second is the limiting beliefs around health. So we, I used to think about this, about both health. And I think that your listeners have probably heard people talk about this in finance all the time. It's too hard. Money's confusing. Like, I don't get it. There's so many places to put, like, right, put it and savings boring and blah, 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 blah. Same thing with health. Ugh, eating healthy is so boring. I'm like, I love my food. I do not eat chicken and broccoli. That is no hard pass. Like I just ate a pizza like before I got on here, but it was a really healthy pizza with like homegrown tomatoes and pecorino cheese and all these things because you should like your food. But we have decided healthy food is boring. We've decided health has to be hard. We've decided that we have to go all in. We have to be perfect. Beauty is only a size two, right? sexiness is only a six pack. Like we have made these beliefs true in our head. And so we live them out. We make health hard. We make sure that we never become a size two because we don't think we deserve it. We don't think we're enough. Like all of those limiting beliefs that we have around health, that it's draining, that it's exhausting, that the food has to be bad. We have those limiting beliefs and then we carry them out. The other thing I see a lot too and I, I know I, I mentioned it, but when we talk about how health is serving us, that being unhealthy allows us to live out truths about ourselves. Because I believe that your body is your walking subconscious. And so a lot of times we use work as a way to, to not deal with our feelings, but your body's smarter than you. Your brain is always taking in this information. And so you are avoiding something and your body is trying to help you see it. And if you ask yourself and take space to really dig in, you're going to understand that that it's allowing you to play small, that it's allowing you to fade to the background, that it's allowing you to 
protect yourself physically, that it's doing these different things or, or to play out the narrative. I'm lazy. It's allowing you to play out these, these things. And I think that that's where a lot of it comes from, or at least that's what I've seen in my practice and with the people that I work with. So something you've mentioned a few times here is like, most of us, the odds are stacked against us from the very beginning. Like the corporations, the government are just feeding us all this crap because that's what makes the money. And I've done a lot of reading on like the treatment versus prevention conundrum. Like prevention doesn't really make any money. Treatment makes a ton of money. I'm thinking of like the big ones like cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Those are like the big three. And so much money, billions of dollars are poured into treatment. Barely anything is poured into prevention, making sure that people who can avoid these diseases avoid them. Could you talk about maybe some easy tips, like things that we're doing that most Americans or most people are doing that they don't even realize that might be leading them down the path to one of these awful diseases or some chronic health condition down the road? Like, could you talk a little bit about maybe a few prevention points? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. I love what you said so much. I just want to make sure that everyone heard what you said because the odds are stacked against us. 93% of people who go on diets fail. Yet weight loss is a $7 billion industry. So I would just say when those are the numbers, we might want to really think about who we believe and what we're doing and where you're putting your money. It makes me so mad. But to your point, yes, there are a few things. And the first is the first thing that came to my mind is breakfast. One, we believe it's the most important meal of the day. It might not be. And if you are overweight, if you have diabetes, obviously talk to your doctor, pre-diabetic, any of these things, breakfast might not be your best friend because one, once we start eating, we're hungry. That's how your body works. Once you start to eat. You ever notice how you're hungrier at the end of the day? It's because your ghrelin is literally gr- like your hunger hormone continues to flip on. It makes you hungry and hungry and hungry as you go. Whereas if you suppress your appetite in the beginning, you're able to eat less. Also, we have been told from a breakfast standpoint to eat carbs, to eat these things in the beginning of the day and like get your carbs in the morning. And I think that is the craziest advice I have ever heard recognizing I used to believe it myself, so no judgment, but to do like a little bit of a science lesson is your body can only handle about eight to 12 grams of sugar at a time, period. And that includes carbs. So if you eat more than that, you're going to, you're going to go on this thing called the blood sugar roller coaster. Whatever goes up must go down. 
And usually on a roller coaster, you don't go flat. You go down below where you started. And same thing happens with your blood sugar. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's too low. So then your body asks you to pull it back up. And usually when people are craving sugar or carbs, no one's usually like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make some steel cut oats. I'm going to put nut butter in it and some blueberries, right? You're like, give me the donut. Like what's close? What's nearby? I'll grab a granola bar. And then you shoot up your blood sugar again and you go up and then you go back down. What happens is you ride this all the way until you crash at 3 p.m. This is why everyone crashes in the afternoon because they set their morning up eating carbohydrates like the bagels and the toast and the quick oatmeal. All of that stuff is terrible for you. It's just not good. And so breakfast, just starting and fixing your breakfast is huge. The other piece is make sure that fat is your friend. So I want to say like 50, 60 years ago, I'm trying to do my math. We started the low fat craze. Like we, we experimented on the American public about like on low fat. And we have proven that the experiment has gone wrong. Just look at the numbers. We are growing outward as a nation, right? We were becoming more and more obese. We're not getting less and less. And yet we're still following the guidelines of five, six times a day, eating a whole bunch of grains, doing these things. And I'm like, at some point you got to look around you and say the conventional wisdom doesn't work. Because if it did, we all would be the right size. And so when our great grandmas and grandmas were eating 2,000 calories a day, or because that's how much they were eating, 2,000 to 2,300, they were eating a diet with 40 to 50% fat. When we hit the heart disease era, like when we were trying to reduce it, uh, reduce the number, which is a whole other conversation, but we went down to like 15 to 20% of our diet in fat. And what happened? We ate more carbs because your body can kind of self-regulate protein, but carbs and fat, it'll interchange. And we started eating more carbs. And what happened? We kept going up and up and up and up. And guess what? So did heart disease. It started going up and up and up and up because the issue has always been and will always be sugar and processed carbohydrates. So breakfast, higher fat, making sure that you bring your diet. If it's at a 15%, get it to 20. Ideally, you really do want to be at like 40%, not keto, but 30 to 40 to 50% of your diet being high fat. And there's so many studies that, that show it. And the last thing, and any vegan is probably going to hate me for saying this, is meat isn't bad. Like meat is not the enemy. We want to be eating more plants. I would love most of your diets to be plants. But the idea that meat is bad is wrong. Bad meat is bad. So factory farming is horrific. I would say that if you can afford not doing that, you should really not do that. And if you can't afford not to do that, you need to bring down the, the intake of your meat. But if you can afford farm-raised, if you can afford grass-fed, if you can afford wild-caught, eating meat is really important because as we age, which basically means after the age of 25, your body needs protein in order to keep the muscle mass to not become frail and little like as we age. And so you can't the you can make up for it by lifting heavy weights. But if you don't want to work out like LeBron, then really adding in high quality protein, protein that is completely bioavailable, it, you really want to consider eating high quality meat. Like it's not the enemy, but it is getting plagued as the worst thing on the planet. So we've been diving a lot into 
health and nutrition as far as like physically what it's doing for us, like the weight, the strength, things like that. But I'd like to think about it now from a little bit more of a mindset and a how I could help you in other ways. And where I'm getting at is we have a lot of entrepreneurs and things that listen to this episode, like the way that health could actually not, it could be more than just lengthening your lifespan. It could be more than just lowering your blood pressure, but it could actually be good for your bottom line. Like it could be good because you were going to perform better. And what got me to think about it is recently we had a guest on who was talking about diversity inclusion. And obviously that's a great thing from just a social standpoint, but what really gets CEOs excited about it was when they realized that their businesses would actually make more money. So that's where I'm kind of getting at is with health, like how does that actually help somebody perform better mentally and maybe helps their business perform better? I love that question, but I think that people intuitively know this, but they don't think about it like this. But if you eat like crap, you feel like crap, period, end sentence. And when you feel like crap, you don't work well. It's not even a question. And so it should become obvious that the more you're able to put food in your body and able to regulate your energy through food, which is what food does, you're going to be able to perform better. I mean, when you look around you, like the people that we, I think a lot of people aspire to be, whether it's like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg or these different people, right? They're not fat. And there's a reason for that. They understand how important it is. And they take very good, like Ariana Huffington and her health are, it's night and day from where she was to where she is now, right? And so it matters so much because all food is, is energy. And it's, if you want to fuel your car, you need to put in the best gas that you can put in there. And we don't, I think that we don't think about that a lot because I hear this a lot from entrepreneurs, all the time from entrepreneurs, girl, I get a lot done in the day. Like I don't eat well and I get a lot done. And what I say to that is you look really good in second gear, but what does it look like to be in fifth? Because you're not in fifth period, because you have to put in good fuel to run well. And we know this, I would say like from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So we've seen this in the social sciences, right? At the bottom of self-actualization of self-fulfillment is food. And when he wrote that, Kraft macaroni and cheese did not exist. He was talking about real food. So if you want to move up the chain to be your fullest self, you got to eat real, real food, good food. And then also from a, a scientific standpoint, your brain and gut are connected. So your brain and your gut are connected. So whatever you put into your gut, so whatever you eat is literally scientifically, biologically going to affect your brain and how you think, how you show up, the energy that you have. And so if you aren't trying to be healthy, if you are not putting the best food in your system, you're not going to be at your best. You might be good. Your good might be most people's like medium. And so, but if you want to be great, if you want to be your great, you got to put the right food in your system because we just know that if you feel like crap, you work like crap. But also we know that your brain and gut are connected. And the reason for it is because of what you put in your mouth literally tells your body how to show up in the world around you and how to think and how to be. And so I think that that's why from an entrepreneurial standpoint and business standpoint, we want to be putting that food that feels so good in our body. Earlier, you said one of the blockers that stops people from eating healthy, working out, whatever it might be, is that they just don't have the information. Like they're like, I kind of get it, but eh, whatever, I'm not going to do this. So let's make it as easy as possible, Erica. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. You can pick today, yesterday, whatever, but could you just kind of walk us through what your daily eating habits look like? Like, what are you eating? What times are you eating? I'm hoping someone who's listening to this show who has not ever tried to eat healthy before, 
Maybe we'll copy your exact routine. I just want to get as tactical as possible so there's no question marks. I totally understand. I know you're going to say this, that it's different for everyone, and I totally get that. But I think having an example would be super helpful. Sure. I'll give you two days. I'll give you the day when I eat breakfast, and I'll give you a day when I don't eat breakfast. Awesome. So when I don't eat breakfast, I'll have – I have no beef with caffeine. It just does not do well for me. So I don't drink caffeine. I will only drink water or lemon water until about 11 and then on a day that I'm fasting. And then from there, I'll usually break it with a smoothie because when I'm really, I'm quote unquote lazy, I don't want things to take a long time. So I throw things in a blender. And what I would add is greens, a healthy fat, like an avocado, half an avocado, a protein powder, and then probably blueberries or some type of frozen fruit and chia seeds. Uh, And then because I'm me, maybe a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of lemon, something like that, right? <laughs> so we'll make a, a quick smoothie for that. I'll eat I'll eat it. Maybe I'll add nuts on top of it. Maybe I won't. Then I usually go about four to five hours without eating, not because I'm trying to, because I'm full and I don't need to. If I do need to, for whatever reason, I usually eat a really high fat snack. So I do sustainable, like sustainable pork rinds. Like I do like chicharrones and pork rinds and cracklins, or I'll do a bulletproof bar or I'll do hard boiled eggs. And then I'll eat dinner. And so my dinner is where you'll usually see my carbs come in. So for instance, tonight I ate a lentil. It sounds terrible. I'm telling you, it is so good. A lentil and quinoa crusted like pizza. And then I covered it with amazing tomato sauce that we made with local vegetables, peppers, onions, tomatoes, bacon, and pecorino cheese. So that's what today essentially looked like. And when I eat breakfast, I'll eat breakfast around 8, 9. I'll eat lunch around 12, 12, 1. I'll, because when you eat more, you want more. I'll usually have like a tiny little snack at like 5, and then I'll eat dinner around like 6, 6, 6.30. And the only thing that I would say for breakfast is I like to have a really fatty breakfast so that it keeps my insulin levels low so I can constantly be burning fat even though I'm eating food. So usually it's eggs and greens cooked in oil. So one thing we haven't dived in too much that I think could use more focus with people when they're thinking about their health and wellness is their sleeping habits. So I'm just curious whether it's just sleeping habits on their own, maybe there's some way that food ties into it, but just what are ways that people can improve their sleep habits? I like that you asked that question because so many people come to me and they say, well, is there anything I can do to improve my health with doing nothing? And I'll be like, yeah, you can sleep. And then they're like, Oh, but I can't sleep. And I'm like, literally, I tell you things to do and you don't want to do them. And then I tell you what, like to do less. And you're like, no, I can't. So I, I, this is what I'm saying. This is a mindset issue because it's like giving you simple stuff, but I sleep is so important and food helps with sleep. So you want to have your last meal two to three hours before you go to bed. So a lot of us eat our biggest meal around like eight or nine and then try to fall asleep around like, you know, like an hour or so later don't do that. Or we'll have like a snack at like nine, 10 and then go to bed. You want to have two to three hours in between your mealtime and your bedtime because your body is needs time to digest food so that you can get to sleep faster. So that's the first thing from a food perspective to stop drinking coffee by 2 PM. So if you drink caffeine, cut it by two. I feel like that's a very generously way because it takes about eight hours for caffeine to leave your system. And so if you can stop that by then, you're able to sleep more. And the third thing is a sleep routine. I wouldn't say a sleep routine, but I would say get off your dang phone. Like we literally try to go to work. We're on our laptop, shut it down, and then we go to bed. No, it doesn't. Like your brain doesn't work that way. It needs white space. It needs time to wind down. Or we're scrolling through Instagram until our head hits the pillow. If you can, put your phone down for half an hour 
And if you can grab blue blocker glasses or put your phone or computer on like a warm color so that your eyeballs can get used to like trying to go to bed. So I'd say those are the things that I have seen people are able to do relatively quickly and implement pretty fast. And those make a huge difference on sleep because I can't actually emphasize enough how important sleep is. We need seven to eight hours. And I hate when people are like, I can run off of four or five. A, you're not that interesting if we're talking about how like long you're sleeping, like period and <laughs> sentence. But like two, like I, I know I keep going back to biologically, but like really from an evolutionary perspective, if you, Cody, were to fall asleep in like the summer, <laughs> a bear could cut like a bear could come get you at any time. You sleeping for seven to eight hours actually does work against you if you think about it from being a protective factor back in the day. That's how we know it's so important because from an evolutionary perspective, you have to be down for that many hours, which puts your safety at risk or would have back in the day to actually repair, detoxify and get your body and system and brain right for the next day because your brain shrinks and clears out during your sleep. You detox, you move like so many things happen when you're asleep. And I just think it's so important that if people are not getting seven to eight hours, one of the best things that they can do isn't going to the gym and waking up early. It's figuring out a way to move from five to six and then six to seven hours. So I kind of want to round this thing out, bringing all three of these into the mix with this question. And I actually saw you on a video interview. I don't know exactly what news station it was on, but it's pretty easy to get on the wagon like you've been mentioning, and then you can fall right off the wagon. So whether that's sleep, whether that's eating, whether that's diet, could you talk about like whether it's a holiday weekend, whether it's a long vacation, something that you just start doing it and you're like, screw it. I already broke whatever your rules are. I'm just going to keep rolling with it. And then you never really get back in the pattern. And I've even noticed myself doing this like on the weekend. It's Friday. Have a couple drinks. I'm like, you know what? Might as well have a pizza. I already had a couple drinks. Might as well have a couple more drinks. Might as well have some snacks. And like you get in this vicious cycle where at some point you just kind of give up on whatever that initial goal was. Could you talk about kind of getting back on the wagon and some tips after like an indulgent weekend or week or something like that? Yes. And there are two things that are coming up for me. The first thing I think is just important to say is shifting your identity so a lot of the work happens before you fall off the wagon. And so a lot of times we have a difficult time getting back on because we don't identify as a healthy person. When you start to actually identify yourself as someone who is healthy versus someone who takes healthy actions, it's a world of difference, right? Or if you identify as someone who gets who gets back on track on Monday, it's a world of difference trying to get back on track on Monday. So wherever, if you have an initial falling off point, and I think the weekends are super normal and you don't have to be perfect on the weekends, like who doesn't like rosé and wine and pizza and chicken wings? Like I could eat those Lincoln chicken wings down in like Southie all day, every day. Like <laughs> they're the best. So I think that one, give yourself a little grace, but two, start to identify with the person that gets back on the wagon, become that person. So that's the first thing. The second piece is I do think people like levers. I do think people like starting points. And so if you need to give yourself till Monday or give yourself to Monday. If you need to give yourself till Tuesday, give yourself to Tuesday. But I think it's establishing a start time. Okay. I'm going to be this guy until Sunday night. Right. And then Monday we get back on track. The other thing I think is really helpful too is fasting. So after being really indulgent, just giving your body a break to reset itself is really, really, really helpful. And the third thing I would say is give yourself a goal 
for the next day. So whether it's I'm going to drink more water, I'm going to eat the certain way, I'm going to do the certain thing. Because if you have it pre-planned in your head, you should do that thing. You will probably think about it all day until you do it. And so I would just keep practicing those things until they become ingrained. But it all, I really do believe, starts with you starting to identify that you're the type of person that gets back on the horse. You're the type of person who is healthy versus I do these things for looks or a certain way or because I have to. Well, Erica, this has been an awesome episode. A ton of stuff here around health, wellness, some different outside-the-box ways of thinking. But obviously, health is such a huge topic. And for people who've been listening to this episode and want to know more, want to know more about you, where's the best place for them to reach out and learn? My favorite place to play is on Instagram. So at, at Erica Ballard Health, I'm there. You DM me. I will respond back. I also have my own podcast, The Lies We've Been Fed. So it's a podcast that really walks people through a lot of the myths, Cody, that you brought up earlier, walks them through it, helps them understand why we believe what we believe and what we can do different. And then you can check out my website, www.ericaballardhealth.com. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link all those up in the show notes so the listeners can find you. And one thing we ask all of our guests is, what is your number one tip for those on the path to financial independence? So the first thing that comes to mind, recognizing that we did talk about health, but I, I think that this is relevant, is spending your money on things that will bring you a better future. So a lot of us, like, and I think about it from a health lens, is we often say, oh, this is too expensive. I can't spend money on it now. I can't do this. And it's like, well, you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. And so making sure that the decisions that you make get you closer to the person you want to be versus trying to save a buck or spend a buck in a place that doesn't move you closer to who it is that you know is inside of you. Awesome. Well, now we almost have you out of here, but there is one last question. That's the wild card question, one that I didn't prepare for, Cody didn't prepare for. So Erica, you're not sure you're ready, but you want to give it a shot? Sure. Okay, Erica. So the wild card question today, and I'm going to not try to make you feel too shameful about it, but you said you work for this nonprofit talking about maybe some more traditional ways that people felt about health. So what is something that you look back on and you think, oh my God, I cannot believe I was telling people that this was true about health. And now I completely know that it's not true. It has to do with cholesterol. So two things, one that fat caused cholesterol or that even the majority of what we eat causes us, like our cholesterol to go up. It's just no, no. <laughs> and then two, I used to push statins like a boss. I took my nonprofit and a lot of nonprofits take money from pharmaceutical companies. And I really bought into like, oh my God, 40% of the population really should be on a statin. Everyone should be on a statin. And I want to punch the former version of myself like so hard in the face because not only was it wrong scientifically, like it's dirty, like it was dirty. And that is why I drank so much um, when I was not at my healthiest because I think I knew it was bad, but I... I couldn't bring myself to believe that that was true. Well, thank you again so much for spending your time with us today. You're clearly an expert in the space. And besides all that stuff in the past, old Erica would be proud to see what new Erica is doing and teaching people the actual right ways to be healthy. For those of you who are listening to whatever time you're listening at, we're recording this at 730. And as you can hear in Erica's voice, she has a ton of energy. So she's legit. She's putting the right stuff in her body. And so just thank you again so much for spending the time with us today, Erica. 
Thank you so much. I had such a great time. I'm so glad we could connect. As someone who's super passionate about this health and fitness stuff, Justin, and just how it relates to the body, how it relates to productivity, how it relates to general overall well-being, I really enjoyed this episode. What'd you think about it? Yeah, it's a great episode. I mean, it's one of those topics that applies to everyone. I think if I could sum up this episode one word, it's like personalization. That's what I kept hearing Erica talk about was how it's just so different for everyone, right? Like, we can all have this one picture in our head of what healthy looks like. We can all say there's these golden rules that you absolutely have to follow. But in the end, different diets, different workout plans, different goals are different for different people. So personalization is what really jumped out to me. Yeah, I know I got pretty fired up in the episode talking about this, but the prevention versus treatment whole conundrum that we have going on in the country right now is just mind boggling. And it was kind of cool to hear Erica weigh in on some of these topics like the treatment for, you know, all the major diseases like the cancer and heart attacks and diabetes. These are multi-billion dollar industries, but there is a pittance compared to what's being spent on the treatment side of things, figuring out how pharmaceutical companies can make money on the prevention side of things. That just kind of stinks for the average Joe. And what Erica was saying is like, we're basically set up for failure from the get-go. We have this thing, the food pyramid that they've been peddling since the 1980s that was backed by all these huge corporations that were making all this junk breakfast food loaded with simple carbs and all these things that you just really shouldn't be pumping into your body. And that's just been perpetuated decade over decade because these companies are still basically printing money by giving people the wrong foods, the wrong fuels for their body, fuels that are making them become overweight, fuels that are making them feel stressed, increased blood pressure, and all these awful things that regular good food should not be doing to you. Yeah, Cody, it seemed like it even goes deeper than just this idea of there being this figure out there, this group of people, these capitalists who are trying to make money off of everybody's health. Even people who have good intentions are kind of getting sucked into this. I mean, Erica talked about working at a nonprofit where she was pushing some of these pharmaceuticals that she legitimately thought was a good idea at the time because she just heard the messaging so much and it seemed like the right thing to do. And it was it was their go-to material for how to help people. And now that she's went back and really studied this stuff, she's realizing how bad it is for people and that it just ends up just being a money grab for pharmacists and pharmaceutical companies. And this is someone who is working at a nonprofit really trying to make a difference in the world. And on a tactical level, I love how we kind of got into the nuances. I know you mentioned personalization, but every single person has a different starting point. I know when Erica challenged us like, all right, guys, right now, what is one thing you can do to improve your health? And you're like, run more. And I'm like, drink less. And she's like, drink more water. And I'm sure there's a hundred different right answers to that question. It really depends on your unique situation. It could depend on your genetics. It could depend on your body type. There's so many different things that weigh into that one question. Like, where do I start? But the most important thing, honestly, is just to start. I know Erica talked a lot about getting into the mindset of I'm the type of person that does this, not I'm going to try to live this healthy lifestyle so I can have a six pack and so other people will like me. Like I'm a healthy person or I'm a mountain biker or I'm someone who eats salad a lot. Like if you actually embody that persona, you'll start to do a lot more of it without even consciously thinking about it. And now it's time for the call to action. So the call to action this week ties right into that personalization topic that we were discussing. And Erica goes over, you know, how do you figure out what will work for you? And she talks about experimenting with it. And so it's not trying to cut out everything in the world all at once or push in everything in the world all at once. It's start with one thing. Say, you know what? Maybe I do need to drink more water. Go there. See how that makes you feel. And then it's like, okay, maybe I am eating 
you know, too much bread. Well, maybe cut back a little bit, see how you feel. Maybe you do need a little more sleep. Like put in things one at a time, put in different food groups one at a time, whatever it may be, just do it in small batches so you can see and dial in exactly what works for you. And if you enjoyed this episode like we did, obviously this is a personal finance, financial independence focused podcast, but the fact that health and fitness can play such an integral role in your performance and your mindset and your overall happiness, that's why we had Erica on. And if you want to read about everything we talked about today in written form, you can go visit our show notes at thefiveshow.com slash Erica. That's thefiveshow.com slash Erica, E-R-I-C-A. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefiveshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefiveshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available. The very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.